0: what does the freedom of Christ look like? That word, freedom, a word that we hear all the time, but do we really understand what it means? Do we really understand what it means to live into the freedom of Christ instead of just listening to the messages that we hear from our screens? As followers of Christ, it's easy to hide behind this social media image of faith. What people see on the outside is gorgeous and put together, but on the flip side, each part of our life consumes us and makes that ease too much to attain. This perfection in our lives controls us and keeps us bound in chains while the monotonous routine of this world pins us down and makes it too hard to break away. Our brains are muddled with these worldly solutions, but we need to remember that the only solution that can bring real restoration is when we begin to understand our emancipation. When we realize that this freedom comes from Christ alone, our chains will begin to fall. Dive into the meaning of this idea of freedom. Make sure to remember that it's okay to leave these shackles behind and dance in the overwhelming freedom of Christ.
1: Uh, Well, good morning. Good morning, church. It's so great to be back. I was gone for a couple weeks in Israel with a group of about 30 people from our church. And we did a biblical study tour all throughout the country. And it's amazing. You just see the Bible come to life. We flew into Tel Aviv and then we went down to the wilderness where the children of Israel came out of the land. We got some footage. We took a drone with us and uh, we did a hike, uh, like a five mile hike through the wilderness and uh, just kind of saw where God sustained the people with manna and water from a rock and God took care of his people. We went up to the Sea of Galilee and we did a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus calmed the storm and walked on the water and just incredible and amazing there. We celebrated baptism as people from our team were baptized in the Sea of Galilee, the wide part of the Jordan River right there, identifying with Christ, His death, His burial, His resurrection. Then we came into Jerusalem, spent about four days in Jerusalem and the Dome of the Rock there built over the Temple Mount today and just to see everything in Jerusalem. And then we went to the Garden Tomb and I will gladly tell you that it is empty. Uh, There was nobody in that tomb. Jesus is alive. He is resurrected. And so we had a great time of celebration because God is so good. So it's just amazing to walk where Jesus walked and see the Bible, stories we've studied all of our lives, many of us, and to watch those come to life. And so we do about every two to three years. We'll go back in 2021 in the fall. If you want to go to Israel with us, let us know. But it's awesome and amazing. But I got to tell you, I was there and it was great, but I missed being here because I love my church. I love being here with you guys. I love what God's doing here at Rolling Hills. And I was like, I'm ready to go home, ready to see my family back at church together. So I'm so fired up and excited to be here today, this morning. Now we're in a great series called Set Free to Live Free. And we're studying the book of Galatians, right? This New Testament letter that the Apostle Paul wrote up to this area of Galatia. And so we're seeing this just kind of unfold before us. And if you've missed any of this series, Go back online and watch T and Chase. And Kelly did a great job unpacking Galatians 1, 2, and 3. And what we see is this. It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. It's all about Him. And we're going to dive into that truth this morning. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you, open with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter four, and we're gonna unpack the Word of God together. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. love for you to grab one. Uh, also, if you have a mobile device, you can access the Scriptures at Version. We'll put the Scripture up on the screen. You can follow along with what God's Word has to say. Uh, you know, here in Galatians, the Apostle Paul, he went and he established this church. So right, his first missionary journey, he went back, he was probably on his second missionary journey, and, and he just loved this church up there. And you could see the joy as they started off. But, but then after he's left, he's been gone for a while, the law kind of started to set in. And these Judaizers came in, these people who said, hey, I'm glad you're following Jesus, but you also need to go back and keep the Old Testament laws. You need to keep these 613 laws. And Paul's like, no, wait a minute, you're losing your joy. You're becoming legalistic. You're turning in on yourself. Stop, stop, stop. And so that's why he writes this letter to them. Last week Kelly did a great job just looking at that one verse there. I just love that verse in verse 28 of chapter 3 where it says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Guys, that is a revolutionary verse, okay? I mean, that is incredible because back then there was a lot of prejudice, there was a lot of racism Like the Jews, they hated the Gentiles. They wouldn't even walk into a a Gentile home. The Romans hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Romans. I mean, there was just a lot of animosity there. And, And Christ comes along and says, I love all people. I love all people, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, right? Male and female. Praise God for that truth, okay? Praise God for that truth. Because back in this day, women had very little rights, I mean, they were kind of on the outside looking in. And Jesus goes, no, you matter to me. Every single person. And God has called you and redeemed you and restored you. And God has a plan for your life. And I'm so glad you're here today. So pick up verse 4. It says this in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Okay, let me stop right there. It says, when the set time had fully come. So if you look at the whole Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament is leading up to the Messiah. Everything in the Old Testament, right? When God created man, and God created man for relationship with him and everything was great in the garden. Adam and Eve were in right relationship with each other. They were in right relationship with God. Genesis 3, they sin, they blow it. We've all sinned. And God said, I'm going to set in motion a plan to redeem mankind. I'm going to call a people for myself, and I'm going to bring the Messiah. So everything is pointing to the Messiah. And it says the set time had fully come. It was at the perfect time that God sent his son, Jesus. All 300 prophecies in the Old Testament are fulfilled in Jesus. But also, if you know history, right, this time was the perfect time. The Greeks had come in and conquered most of the known world. You may remember Alexander the Great cried because there were no more nations to conquer, right? But what happened then is that most everybody in the world could speak Greek. You could understand Greek. So, so the gospel could travel. People could understand. People could hear. It's almost like today, right? People speak English about anywhere you go in the world. You can get by if you know English. Most people in the rest of the world know three or four languages. We know one, right? But... It's good English, because we know that one, right? And so the gospel could spread. Also, the Romans came in and conquered the Greeks, and they built roads everywhere. They built roads and connected all these people. So now when Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the good news spreads everywhere. Why? Because God has a heart for all people. God created, God wants people to know about his son. He said he sent his son, right? And that she was born. That she, Mary, born of a woman, gave birth to Jesus, born under the law. Now, why is that significant? Because Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's fully man, so he can identify with the struggles that we go through. He was born under the law, but then he comes to complete it. He didn't say, I come to abolish it, but I came to fulfill it. Why? Look at verse 5, right, if you keep going here. To redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. So Jesus identifies with everything we've gone through. We don't have a God up there who goes, Man, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what, really? You're going through a tough time? I, I didn't know that. No, his son can identify and he can redeem us from all that we faced and that we can become the sons and the daughters of God. Look at verse six. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Oh, that's such good news, you guys. It wasn't anything we did. We didn't earn it. We weren't good enough. And so God goes, wow, you are so good. Wow, you've kept all the law. Those 613 laws, You, good job, right? No, we fell short. And so God says, well, I'm going to send my son who's going to take your place. And then you can be adopted into the family of God. And so here Paul, he's like, you are set free. You are set free. And then if you keep going and you go to verse 8, Paul's concerned for the Galatians. And Paul goes, why are you going back to the law then? You know, you've been set free. And when we started the church, Paul's going, we planted up here. And there was so much joy. There was so much excitement. The spirit was moving. And now you're kind of going back. You've let these Judaizers come in and say, oh, wow, well, you've got to keep these festivals. You've got to do these sacrifices. You have circumcision. You've got all this. And now you're just worried about keeping the law all the time. He's like, remember the freedom that you have. Remember the joy that you have. Live in that. Live in that. And then if you go to verse 21, he gives this example of Hagar and Sarah. And maybe you remember this. Back there with that guy Abraham. You remember back in Genesis 11 and 12 and God called Abraham and said, leave your country, your people, and go to a land I will show you, and I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky. And so they did. They left. There were the Chaldeans went to Iran, and then from Iran down into the promised land, and then they get there and like, okay, we got no children, right? God, where are you? What's gonna happen? And Sarah, his wife, goes, well, why don't you sleep with my maidservant, Hagar? And Abraham's like, okay, you know, because everybody else was doing it, right? It was a thing that was happening back in the day. And so they just kind of took a shortcut. And he does. He has a child, Ishmael. And as soon as Ishmael's born, there's this animosity. Have you ever realized when you sin? First, it kind of sounds like a good idea, and then all of a sudden you feel this tension. You're like, oh, man, what did I do? And you got this tension now in the home. Sarah's, like, resentful of Hagar and Ishmael, so they send them away. God protects them and takes care of them. But there's still this tension. And then God blesses Abraham as he stays faithful to God and holds on to God. And at 100 years old, Sarah at 90 gives him a child, Isaac. Isaac. And the promise, the whole Old Testament, the promise goes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, the 12 sons of, you know, Israel, and all of this all the way through. But we're still feeling the tension today. Three major world religions look to Abraham, right? Judaism, Christianity, Abraham, Isaac, the promise. Islam traces back through Ishmael. You still see that tension even there. But Paul comes along and he uses this example and says, hey, you're not a slave, though. You're a part of the promise. Galatians, this is what God was saying to Abraham, that, I, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars of the sky, that he had a plan, that he had a purpose. There was freedom there. Don't go back to slavery. Don't go back to living as slaves. You live as free people. And then look at chapter 5, verse 1. You know, I think this chapter break is in the wrong place. I'm just going to help people out back then. But, you know, chapters and verses were added later, right? This was a letter. It was a letter that was written, and so sometimes he's Chapter breaks, get in the wrong place. But look at verse 1 of chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. That's kind of his whole thing in chapter 4. Don't go back and be slaves again. You were set free. Enjoy the freedom that God has given you. You have joy in your spiritual life? You have love in your spiritual life. You have peace. You feel freedom. You feel like you can worship. <laughs> That's what God wants for us. If you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. Number one is this salvation comes only in Jesus. Salvation comes only in Jesus. I mean, Paul is saying this over and over again. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem man, that's the whole purpose. In salvation, we try to find salvation in so many other things, right? We try to find it in what we do. If my good can outweigh my bad, maybe God will accept me. Uh-uh, salvation and redemption comes only in Jesus. It's in Christ, in Christ alone. So, here's the deal, right? Somebody comes and knocks on your door at your house and they wanna have a spiritual conversation or there's a coworker or somebody else, Hey, great, have a spiritual conversation. But just ask this, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about Jesus? Is Jesus the Son of God? Is Jesus the one who died for your sins and for my sins? Is Jesus the one who redeemed us? Not, is there multiple heavens? Not, is there all these rules I have to keep? Not, are there things that I have to do? But what do you believe about Jesus? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is salvation and redemption. The gospel is the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. See, Jesus died for our sins. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's separation from God. Jesus paid the price, his death. He was buried for us. That's what baptism, we're identifying as death, as burial, but also the resurrection. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. When we were in Israel, we went to Jerusalem, we went down the Via Della Rosa. and uh, There's people who come from all over the world, right, to to go down the street, to remember the stations of the cross, the 14 different stations. And so we, we, we went down the Via Della Rosa, and we start there, and you can see station one and two where Jesus was you know, convicted by Pontius Pilate, and then where he stumbled, and where Simon and Cyrene carried the cross. This is the Church of the Holy Sepulcher. And so, Stations 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14, these last five stations are inside this church. There's the Greek Orthodox, there's the Catholics, there's the Arminians, everybody has a different part of this place, but they celebrate and remember these different stations there. Uh, there's the place where Jesus was laid, right? And there's people there, there's, there's a stone, and a lot of people are there kind of worshiping the stone or praying to the stone. Uh, you go in and you see the place where Jesus' cross was placed and then you see the tomb. And that station 14 is the, is the tomb. And, and I was there and I was kind of watching all this unfold and I was thinking, okay, well, we're, we're not supposed to worship relics, you know, we're not supposed to worship idols and all this, but, but we don't end at station 14 either. The, the tomb is not the end of the story. There should be a station 15, and it ought to be the resurrection. And it ought to have just an arrow, right, pointing up and saying, hey, guys, listen, Jesus is alive. He's alive. We don't worship a dead Jesus. And because he's alive, our lives are changed. Because he's alive, there is hope for this life. This world is not all that there is. There is more to come, and the best of the story is still to come. Jesus is not still on the cross. And sometimes people have a crucifix, and and that's fine. You can remember that Jesus paid for your sins. But listen, Jesus isn't on the cross. He is alive. And so are we in Christ. So he says, live that way. Have the freedom that God is with you and that God is for you. Number two, Jesus leads you into a relationship with God. Into a relationship with God. Now, think about this. Think about this. The world that Paul was going to right there over in Galatia, you know, they were pagan, right? They were polytheistic. They were worshiping the Greek gods or the Roman gods. And You guys, you remember studying mythology and you remember all the Greek gods and Roman gods and Zeus and everything. And so if you're Paul and you're going in and you're saying, hey, we want you to know the one true God. And, and you start to say, the God of the Bible, the God of all history, the God of all creation, he is all-powerful. And, and these people are going, well, yeah, so is our God, right? Zeus and Apollos, and I mean, all, yeah, all-powerful, we get that, right? And they say, well, our God's sovereign. Yeah, 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 we get that. But then all of a sudden, Paul goes, the sovereign God of all creation is a God of relationship. And they're like, what? Oh, yeah, 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 he cares about you, He created you for a reason and for a purpose. And they're going, wait a minute. Our gods just want to destroy us. (laughs) Our gods, like, don't care about people. Our gods just think people are in the way and want to get them out of the way. And all of a sudden, they're hearing about a God who wants a relationship. And they're like, wow, we want that. We want to be fully known. We want to be fully accepted. We want to have a relationship with God. Because inside every heart, right, there's a desire to know the creator, the one who made us. Jesus is the one who leads you into that relationship with God. Abba is our equivalent to Daddy. I love that where he says, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Isn't that awesome? The God of the universe says, hey, you can call me Daddy. i like, whoa. If you're a parent here, you know, man, if you're child comes up to you and they just stand right there at your feet and they just put their arms and they go, daddy. I mean, there's no greater word in the world, right? Daddy or mommy. I mean, you just like want to bend down. You scoop them up. You just hold them close. I mean, they are just so precious. You think about that with God. God's not at arm length. God's not like just like stiff arming you away. God is saying, I want you to draw close to me. I love you. I want a relationship." With you. And so many times we're so guarded. like Oh, no, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. God loves you. And Paul is saying that to these people and God's saying it to us today. Don't miss it. He loves you. Not simply knowing about Jesus, but knowing him personally. Knowing him personally. And I just wonder, has there ever been a time in your life where you've said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And if there hasn't, God is drawing you to himself. You guys, it's not an accident that you're here today. Maybe you feel like somebody invited you. Maybe, you know, you're like, hey, I'm going to go to church today. God brought you here to hear from him. And and almost everybody in the world knows about Jesus, right? And every other major world religion, oh, Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet. He was a great teacher. But do you know Jesus? Do you know Abba, Father? Do you have a relationship with God, (laughs) Through Jesus, you become a son of God and an heir of the kingdom. That is good news. (laughs) You're an heir of the kingdom. You know, eternal life, it doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins when you become a Christ follower. You have eternal life. This shell that we live in, it's going to wear out, it's going to fade, but our spirit's going to move on. We are heirs of the promise, heirs of the kingdom. See, once you're saved, you're always saved. Once you're saved, you're always saved. You are forever, ever, ever his. You know, I'm a dad. I've got three amazing, amazing kids. I love them all. I love them so much. I'm so proud to be their dad. And I love that they love church. I love that they're just, you know, thriving and doing great. You know, i got high school, middle school, elementary school, so we're busy. But, but I tell you, it's so fun. I, mean, I love that we love being together as a family. But there may come one day when one of them says, you know what, Dad, I'm going to go live my own thing. I'm going to go off. I'm going to just do my own deal. You know, I'm good without you, Dad. And I want to tell you, that's going to break my heart. <laughs> but i also tell you this, that she will forever be my child. And there is nothing she could ever do that's ever going to lose that. I'm going to love her, love her, love her all the time. And that's the same thing with God. There's nothing you could do. There's nothing you can do that's going to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And that ought to give you confidence. That ought to give you boldness. Hey, my dad loves me. My father is for me. He will never give up on me. He loves me. Hey, if you can't do anything to earn it, you can't do anything to lose it. Right? I mean, that, that's the whole difference between works theology and gospel theology. If you, if you are trying to work and earn your salvation, then you could lose it. But if you didn't do anything to earn it, you can't do anything to lose it. And that's what Paul's going, don't go to some works base. Don't go back to the law. Don't go back to trying to live that way and earn something. No, 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 no. It is grace that you're saved. It's a gift of God, not by works lest no man should boast. Hey, Jesus comes to set you free. Guys, don't miss that. Jesus comes to set you free free if you look in chapter 4 verse 8 paul says formerly when you did not know god you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods little g before you knew god you were slaves to little g you lived for that right we were slaves to the world we are free from being a slave to this world because we were before we were slaves to what does everybody else think about me my worth and my value is determined by what people say about me. Or I'm a slave to making more money and my worth and my value is found in my bank account. Or I'm a slave, you know, to, to success or to power and where I am in my job or my career and I'll just run after that. We're free from being a slave to the law. We're free from that. Uh, when we were in Israel You know, it's interesting because then you really start to see Judaism, you start to see, you know, religion and a lot of other things that are happening over there. Uh, But if you look at these 613 laws in the Old Testament, people are still trying to follow all those, right? And so you think about, well, the law was given for this relationship with God, but people fall in love with the law. I mean, think about this way, right? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, one of the big 10. Now, why was that given? Right? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Because God says, well, I worked, you know, six days. On the seventh day, I rested. And and I want you to have one day where you come and worship me, where you set your mind and your heart on me, and where you can kind of rest. I want that for you. It's about relationship. But people take it and they turn it to the law. And so they got to go, well, wait a minute. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That means we shouldn't work on the Sabbath. Okay? How do you define work? Well, let's see, Uh, is walking work? No, I mean, there's a stroll, right? So that's really not work. But if you walk a long way, then you start to break a sweat, maybe that's work, okay? So we can't do the work. So let's put, and there's a lot of Jewish villages in Israel where there is a line around the village and you can't walk past that line because then you're working on the Sabbath. So on Shabbat, on Sabbath, Friday to Saturday night, you cannot walk past that line. And you're like, why is that line there? Well, that's the Sabbath day's walk. You're like, really? Wow, okay. You know, or they have Shabbat elevators, right? So you get on to the hotel and if it's Friday night to Saturday night, you can't push the button on the elevator because you're on a Shabbat elevator. So what you do is you get on the elevator and it just automatically opens for you, right? On every floor. Okay, so like you're not doing work to push the button or there's not a spark that's going inside and lighting a fire. So you just stand there. Now, if you're on the 20th floor, I have to tell you, it takes forever, okay? So don't get on that Shabbat elevator on the 20th floor if you're there, you know, because it's like, it's like some little kid goes, you know, like hits every button, right? And you're just like standing there. Now, God didn't give, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, so that we would go and turn it into a law, that we would have a life. He gave it for relationship. But we took it and ran with it because we liked the law. Some of you may remember your grandparents. Maybe you grew up and they would never play cards, right? I mean, that was taboo, right? Or maybe would never go to a movie. And they were not going to do that, right? Were, oh, no, 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 no. You're not a good Christian if you go to a movie. And you're like, uh-oh. You know, you're like, uh, you don't know I went to that movie. So, you like, like, you know, that becomes this measuring stick. Or you don't shop on Sunday. We come along and do the same thing many times. And we start adding things on. Sometimes we go, well, you know, I need to spend time with God because hey, I got to get my check mark. And so I'm supposed to read this chapter. Okay, I read this chapter. I got my check mark. Moving on with my day, right? I don't remember what I read. I don't even remember like, okay, what was that about? It didn't draw me closer to God. But I got my check mark, and my faith was in my check mark more than it is in God. And it's so subtle, and it starts to come along. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. It's about a relationship. Don't go back to being a slave to the law. Don't go back to that mindset. You are free. Enjoy life. Be who God created you to be. We are free from being a slave to the law. Sometimes Christians are known more for what they're against than for what they're for. And I think for all of us, man, it's time for us to be known for what we're for. I'm for Christ. I'm for Jesus changing lives. I'm for the joy of the Lord. I'm for God working in our community for his name and for his glory. Look at this one. Jesus breaks the chains in your life. You guys, that is such good news. Jesus breaks the chains in your life. The chains of the world. I don't have to be defined anymore by you know, how many likes I get on Instagram, right? I don't have to be defined anymore by how many followers I have on Twitter. I don't to be defined anymore by what other people say or what my bank account is. I can be defined by Christ. I can have joy every day. He breaks the chains of the law. The law that would hold me back, that would keep me from reaching my full potential because I'm focused on a this and that and the to-do list and the don't list. Hey, and the chains of guilt and shame. And maybe you're here today, and boy, there is just guilt. It just weighs on you. That's not from the Lord. You see, when Jesus died for your sins, He died for your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. He removes your sins as far as the East is from the West. He remembers them no more, but we remember them. (laughs) And every time we get excited about the Lord or we start to serve or we say to our spouse, hey, let's pray together or hey, let, I want to do a devotional with my family. You know, then Satan comes along and goes, well, hey, you remember what you did? You're like, oh yeah. And the guilt and it weighs you down. And Jesus is going, look, I want to take that guilt away. I want to take that shame away. I want you to reach your full potential in the Lord. I have forgiven you. Forgive yourself. I have forgiven you, forgive yourself, you are redeemed and you are restored. You know the Westminster Catechism, I love this, where it says, the chief aim of man is this, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Chief aim of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Hey, you are set free to live free. You are set free. It's an incredible privilege. But you are called to live free, which is a responsibility that we should have freedom, live in the freedom of Christ. We are children of the promise, not the law. And don't go back to that Mosaic law and try to build your whole life or your whole theology or your whole you know, you know, spiritual life on that. Go back 430 years before to the promise where God said to Abraham, like, I'm going to give you descendants of the promise. I'm going to bring the Messiah and the promise. You are children of the promise. You are alive for a reason. Don't go back to living under the law. You are redeemed and restored by the grace of God. Jesus boiled the 613 laws in the Old Testament down to two. (laughs) He took the 613 and he said, hey, watch this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. You live that way. You don't sit there and try to keep a score sheet of your life, and you don't keep a score sheet of everybody else around you and judge where they are because of this score sheet. No, 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 you just love. You go out and live a life of love. Every day when you wake up, you say, hey, today I want to love God more, and I want to love the people around me more. Today, God, use me for your glory, God. Not to keep score, but God, just let me love. Let me love my spouse. Let me love my roommates. Let me love my children. Let me love my coworkers. It's not about me getting more esteem or building up my own life, right? It's about me loving. Jesus, you love through me. I want to be in a relationship with you, God, and I want to love others. And I want to tell you, when you start to live like that, things change. When you love your family, things change in your family. There's a different dynamic. When you love people at work, when you love the people around you, it impacts everything. And there's a call for us to love. Uh, some of you may remember this, but about 18 months ago, there was something that happened in Dallas, Texas. A white police officer who was off duty. Amber Geiger had finished a 24-hour shift and she was coming back to her apartment. And she got off on the wrong floor and she came to the apartment that she thought was hers. It was just one floor above and the door was ajar. So she went into the apartment and there was an unarmed black man in her apartment and she shot him, killed him. Both Botham Jean, them grew up in the Caribbean, 26 years old in St. Lucia, and he went to Harding University. He was working for Price Waterhouse, and he was sitting there eating ice cream in his own apartment when she shot and killed him. Again, national news, started a firestorm in Dallas. They had the trial over the next year. She was found guilty of murder. And then it came to sentencing, and sentencing was about a month ago. And she could have been sentenced to 99 years in prison. And at the sentencing, Botham's brother, Brant, took the stand. I can't even begin to imagine what was going through his mind. His older brother had been shot, killed. And he takes the stand at the sentencing just about a month ago and watch this.
2: I don't want to say twice or for the hundredth time what you've or how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. I hope you go to God with all all the guilt all the, thing, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you, but I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I, see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you, and the best would be give your life to Christ. Again, I love you as a person, and I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please?
1: see that kind of forgiveness in that kind of situation. Here's Brand, who's a strong believer. His brother, by was a worship leader at church. And Brand, because he forgave in that moment, the judge, Tammy Kent, she comes off of the bench after she sentences 10 years in jail, and she walks over to Amber and she gives her her Bible. The judge walks down and gives her Bible to him and says, here, look at John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I just watched that clip and I just thought, man, that's God. That had God all over it. And because of Brant's testimony there, there could have been riots all over Dallas. There could have been all these things It just changed everything, just changed everything. Some of you, maybe today, you're living and you've got these chains of resentment, or you've got these chains of bitterness, and they're just holding you back because of something somebody did. I just want to tell you, I just want to encourage you, bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Lord. He's the one who breaks the chains. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you just need to go, God, I just need to love them. And God, it's so hard. But I've been set free to live free. I've been set free not just for me. I've been set free to make a difference and to live out. Jesus, where are you today? I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Maybe you're here today, and honestly, you've been trying to earn your salvation. You've been trying to be good. I just want to tell you today, would you just say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Forgive me my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. Maybe today you need to be baptized. God's speaking to you. Make it public. Maybe today, if you're honest, there's just somebody you need to forgive. Maybe there's guilt that you're carrying and today you just say, God, break these chains. God, these chains of guilt, these chains of shame, these chains of resentment in my life, God, break them. I've been set free to live free, not under this bondage. But maybe you've become legalistic in your life and it's robbed the joy of your salvation. It's robbed the joy of your relationship with God. It's robbed your joy in your family. And today, just say, God, I want that joy back. And I know it only comes in you. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples. You didn't say life would be easy, but you did say you would always be with us. And you would always love us. And God, you know our tendency to go back to the old ways, our tendency to go back to legalism, our tendency to turn in on ourselves. And and today, Father, we just come and thank you for freedom and thank you for life. So for whatever days we have on this earth, God, until we are with you face-to-face, wholly, completely, Father, use us. Use us, God. We commit our lives to you. Holy Jesus. Holy Jesus, speak to us right now.